Hey, happy Thursday, friends. Welcome to Enough for Today. We are in Psalm 56, and so I invite you to join me there. And uh, if you prayed for me yesterday, thank you. Uh, the meetings and the many challenges that we faced yesterday, God seemed to mitigate in all of them, and it was just uh, the end of the day was a peaceful end of the day, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, there's still some undone things, but um, generally speaking, we have uh, really begun navigating the results of the fire at our school, and uh, and we're doing everything we can to get ready to uh, have uh, a prepared staff, a prepared building, and uh, to serve families well, both in our church and school. Our church this week and every week, and then our school uh, by August 29th. So appreciate your prayers. We're in Psalm 56, and we just did a flyby on this psalm yesterday. It's a psalm of David when he is running from Saul and just literally be, uh, being overcome. And uh, I just love David's reflexive, instinctive uh, turn to God when life becomes overwhelming. And more than anything, I guess, either with age or with a, a number of trials or a number of deliverances, uh, I'm not sure, but um, more and more this becomes reflexive. More and more, you, if you've seen God come through before, you just anticipate how he's going to come through again. I remember standing out there Monday night at the fire and, and the fire trucks out at the school, and I, I just said, I just, I just quietly whispered, well, Lord, I'm eager to see what you have in mind with this. Um, David, though, is really being overcome. And so, I don't know, maybe this uh, devotion is coming to you on a day or in a moment where you are really feeling overwhelmed, or the, the phrase he uses, swallowed up. So I want to read the first three verses. We might just talk about one and two today, um, but it'll, it'll lay a good groundwork. And by the way, I thought this was interesting. Uh, Albert Barnes on his notes on the Old Testament, which is one of my favorite go-tos for, uh, for, comp for short, brief commentary, because... Albert Barnes, he has, he has pretty exhaustive notes on the Old Testament, New Testament, and he goes phrase by phrase. And so if you ever struggle with the sense of something, that's a good go-to resource. But um, he, he breaks down the psalm this way, and I thought this was very insightful and very helpful. The first is an inner prayer for divine intervention on behalf of the author, David. That's verses 1 and 2. God, he's asking God to intervene. Then in verses 3 and 4, there's an expression of his trust in God, kind of a declaration of trust in the time of danger or in the overwhelming moment. Part 3 is verses 5 and 6, and that is a description of the enemies and the way he describes it, the re their resting of his words, their evil thoughts against him, they're gathering together, they're watching his steps, they're lying in wait. So the enemy's planning. Part 4 is verses 7 through 9, his confident belief that the enemy would not escape um, and that God understands, that God understands his tears and his wanderings and um, that his enemies would know that God was on his side. Part 5 is verses 10 through 13, and that is the, the entirety of his trust and his firm assurance that God would keep him from falling um, and that he would walk before God in the light of the living. So this is the, the flow. And the reason I share that with you is because it's the thought flow 
that is worth considering, okay? First of all, David's prayer for mercy and his his declaration of trust before he even gets into his problems and then his explanation of his problems and his again his confidence his expression of confidence that God's going to take care of this and then he wraps up with the entirety of his trust and his assurance being in God so in the middle of his trial what I see is a blueprint okay the reason I'm sharing these five points with you is it's a blueprint for navigating hard times. Uh, the world says um, stuff your emotions or vent your emotions. And uh, that leads us either to implode or to explode. Uh, we either fall apart inwardly and, and die a thousand deaths or we uh, explode in regret and bad decisions, reactionary living, okay? And this is the opposite. This practice of David, the psalm of worship, this, uh, you know, we always often say the psalms are the, are the hymn book of ancient Israel, but really it's the, it's the devotional diary of ancient David uh, before it's any of that. And I realize he's not the only psalmist, but it's amazing how that we miss, sometimes we miss that part. This is David walking with God uh, and giving me a way to walk with God in worship and in deep personal contemplation, but I feel there's a blueprint here, and that is to approach God uh, with my problems and, and declare my trust, expressing that I know he's my trust, then describing my problem and laying it out for him, and then placing my confidence in the fact that he's already got a solution for this, and he's going to work this out, and then wrapping it all up in the wrapping of, I totally trust you with this, God, and my entire confidence is you is in you. That is a good blueprint for dealing with a problem. So let's see what he says. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Now, let's just be honest. Life at any level, okay, whether, whether you are in or out of ministry, whether you are in the marketplace or a homemaker, uh, wherever you are and whatever you do, life in and of itself is a daily fight. And I'm not trying to be all negative. I mean, there's huge, amazing blessings and positives. But there's this daily headwind that we all take on, okay? Spiritual battle, spiritual discouragement, trials, bad news. I mean, there's just a steady stream. Uh, and depending on your place in leadership or in other things, maybe there's uh, some heavier headwinds. Maybe there's some more stream, uh, a, a, a larger stream. Um, swallowed up. That's what I want to dive into is the, the idea of being or feeling that without God's mercy, you could be swallowed up. Now, there's two ways we need to look at this very quickly, okay? First, this really is the essence of the prayer of salvation. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, which one of these men, the one that's, you know, Lord, I, I'm thankful that I'm not like other men, like that publican over there, or the publican, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and smoting on his breast. Which one went away from that place justified, justified with God, uh, redeemed, reconciled, exonerated from sin? And he said it was the one who cried out for mercy. You see, relationship with God is not based on how good you are, but how good he is. Therefore, you don't live up to him. He came down to you. And, and his goodness is not based on your earning it or your morality or your virtue. 
we could never have that much virtue or morality. His goodness is, uh, it flows to us on the basis of his mercy. And so the cry, be merciful to me, okay, and without God's mercy, we truly would be swallowed up by judgment and sin and by the, by, by deserved, by the wrath we truly deserve, okay? So mercy, the cry for mercy is most essentially the core essence of a cry for the soul's salvation. So friend, if you don't know where you stand with God or what your relationship is with God, Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood to make the mercy of God available to you. So do not try to relate to God on the basis of your achievement, your religiosity, your morality, your virtue, your goodness. That is a that is a flawed proposition because in that sense, your trust is really not in God, it is in yourself. And you are trying to um, exploit God's goodness by bartering with him. I'll be good if you'll give me salvation and eternal life. And God says, I do not barter. It is not of works. So what is it of? It is of mercy on the basis of the work of Jesus. And so therefore you fall before God in humility and you say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Okay. And the only basis you have on which to make that prayer or that request is that God has paid for it. He has provided mercy through the blood of his son on the cross. So that's the first view. The second view very quickly is this. From the moment you trust Christ, your relationship with God is forever established, unlosable, on the basis of mercy. And so as you go forward facing the headwinds of life, you can always know you are the object of God's mercy. And so in the face of trials or overwhelming circumstances or, or situations where you feel that you are about to be swallowed up, you can say, God, have mercy. I need your mercy I need um, you to rescue me. It's a cry for salvation, even in a circumstantial way. And by the way, even when you've made the mess yourself, okay? Even when you have made decisions that got you into debt or got you into a bad situation or you feel like you deserve it. And in those moments, we're like, well, I'll clean this up. I'll get myself out of this because I don't want to bother God with it because I deserve it. Bad form. That's not the way we're to think, okay? God is always ready to grant you his mercy, even from the message. Isn't that what salvation is? It's, it's soul salvation and eternal life uh, granted in spite of all the messes I've made in life. So our God is, my friend, a God of mercy. And I want to just leave you with this thought for, for today um, and live in the mercy of God. And whatever is overwhelming to you, look up and cry out for mercy because he will give it to you and you are surrounded by it. So take advantage of it and in, the, in all the right ways. Happy Thursday. Have a great day. See you tomorrow.